0: Today is the Memorial Day weekend. I want to talk to you about being a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States of America. First of all, that which is spiritual and then that which is physical. I want to have you take your Bible and turn to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians in chapter 5. You'll notice in your notes, it's about the freedom from the yoke of bondage. We should love our freedom. When Christ went to the cross, He purchased freedom for us. So in the book of Galatians chapter 5, He warns us about being entangled again with the yoke of bondage. People that are free should not want to be enslaved. There were many people who left the old country and came to America for the, the freedom to practice their own faith. The freedom to worship. To form a government that would allow us to believe what we want to believe. Realizing that every individual has certain rights given to them by God to Life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. We were privileged to be born in a great country. And many people have come to this country because of the freedoms that we have. So I would say, as America, do not become entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And you go from freedom back to slavery by the changing of your laws. And the reason you change the laws is because we've changed our God. So it's the changing of the gods. That's how we're going to lose our freedom. One of the other things, I'd like to just make a comment, no extra charge for this. We are looking at a country today that's not just about, you know, the fake news and all the things that are going on trying to destroy uh, this presidency. It's about overthrowing this country. It wouldn't matter who the president is. There are people that are bent on destroying our form of government. They do not want our constitution. They do not want us to practice our faith. They don't want anything to do with God and the Bible and individual rights given to us by God. They want to scrap all of that and simply have the majority will rule. And you say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yes, there is. Majority is not always right. But under a Republican form of government, not the party, but the form of government, it is so that we can have the protection of every individual and that the majority cannot... Strip away the right of one person who has not violated the right of another. So they are free people. We don't have a a king in America. We don't have a dictator in America. You and I are the bosses. We have some people who work for us, but they forget this. But I just wanted to remind you of it. So we are not to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now look at that verse one more time in verse 1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now here in context, we're talking about the legalism that comes in Christianity. Now I want you to notice there in your notes and you'll notice there in uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 19, I'll just quote it from these, your notes there. I want you to see this. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. Now get this statement, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So the first several chapters of the book of Romans is to convince us That in spite of all the evidence that God has given in creation and all the evidence that God has given through revelation that man has rebelled against the evidence and he doesn't believe that either there is a God or that we're accountable to God and they change the glory of God into the creation of man and worship man, the creation, instead of God. So God came to the conclusion, and He wants us to know about it. So He says, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God or short of God's perfection. So we're all in the same boat. So God says all the world is guilty before God. And if they're all guilty, then they all have to die. So that's why we, yes, we're born. We live and we die. So the Lord says it because we are under the curse. You see, God gave His righteous law. It's holy. Nothing wrong with God. Nothing wrong with perfection. There's nothing wrong with the law. It is perfect. It's spiritual according to Romans chapter 7. The problem is not what God did. It's what we've done. We are sinful. We have been born into this world under the law and we are under a curse because cursed is every man that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So no man fulfills the law. So when you hear people tell you you've got to live by the law, impossible because of our old sinful nature. there's nothing wrong with what God said. The problem is that, You and I were born with an old sinful nature. And the law says, if you sin, you die. So how can a man get free from the curse of the law? From the curse of the sinful nature that we're born with and the curse of death. So when Christ came into the world, he was going to produce this freedom for us. How we can get free from the law, and free from the sinful nature that we have, and free from death. God laid it down in His Word, promised how He was going to do it. He came into the world, and He did. The only thing you and I have to do is accept what He did for us. So now, look at this statement. How could guilty sinners be free from the curse of the law? We want to be free from it. How could guilty sinners be free from the curse of our sinful nature? You have an old sinful nature. You were born with it. It means you want your own way. That we're naturally rebellious. How can we get free of that? This old sinful desire that we have. You see, God will not allow you and I to enter into heaven the way we are. Because the way we are... It's not going to work there. That's a perfect place. We messed it up down here and God says you're not messing it up up here. So only ones who gets to go to heaven are perfect people. Those that do not have this old sinful nature. But that's because of what Christ did for us. Now I want you to picture, I did this before but I'll do it again. Over here you have a man standing here. See him? You got to see him in your mind's eye. Anybody here got a mind's eye? You can see there's a man standing right there. This man sitting over here, born into this world. He is a child of the flesh. He has a flesh body. He has a physical flesh body. And in this physical flesh body, he has a sinful nature. And his sinful nature is he wants his independence to do what he wants, however he wants, without restraints. And because he wants the freedom to do whatever he wants, he doesn't want somebody else making laws that control him. So they want to do away with laws. And this is kind of like what's going on in the country today. But the more you let a man have the removal of all these restraints, the more restraints he's going to have until he becomes a slave to government. And government begins to tighten down the screws. And next thing you know, you won't be able to move because we'll be under a dictatorship. Now that's just what's coming So how can a man get free from the curse of death? Because the Bible says the last great enemy of man is death. Because once you die, nothing else matters. Well, depends on where you went. If you went to heaven, nothing else matters. But if you didn't trust Christ as your Savior, whoo doggy, a lot of problems. Now, look at the next statement. When we accept the payment Christ made for us by His death, burial, and resurrection, we are free, free, and free. Free, free, and free? I knew you had to catch your eyes. So I know I have to explain it. Now, number one, look at it. By His death for me, He delivered me from the perfection of the law I could not keep. Once you are dead, the law cannot touch a dead man. Let me show you something. You've probably never seen this before. But it's it's what helps you to understand what he's talking about. And why we should not be placed back under the yoke of bondage. Appreciate the freedom that you have. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents all the things we do that's wrong. We call it sins. That's what God calls it. Everybody... Sins. And the reason we sin is because we're born into this world with a sinful nature. The sinful nature is in rebellion to God. So because there's times when we want to do right, we also want to do wrong. We want our own way. So we have conflict. But God loves us. Hates our sin. But He loves us. And for us to pay for sin... What's the wages of sin? The wages of sin is death. So see, we're under the law and it's a curse because it demands perfection and we can't do it. And because we have a sinful nature, we can't fulfill the righteous demands of the law. So we'd like to be able to be free from this law that demands our perfection that we can't deliver. But the wages that if you fail, it is death. And so... Every man who sins dies. And that's the case of the whole world. We're guilty. Guilty of what? We broke God's law. Now, for us to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And there's nobody perfect. No one's righteous. God is perfect, and heaven is perfect. And that's why you don't have to be good to go to heaven, because there is no good heaven. There's not even a pretty good heaven. There's only a perfect heaven. And so that's why you have to be perfect to go there. Most people think they have to be pretty good. Find that in the Bible. It's not there. And this is why you cannot save yourself. Now this hand represents Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. He came into the world. He was born, the Bible says, of a woman made under the law. As a child born, he had a physical body. Therefore, he has to keep the law just like everybody else. So he was made under the law, but did he ever break the law? He did not come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. And so Jesus Christ lived a perfect life for three and a half years. Never did anything, 33 and a half years. He never did anything wrong. So the law couldn't condemn him because he had no sinful nature. And everything he did pleased the Father. And because he kept the law, he was under a curse. And because he had no sinful nature, he had no desires contrary to the will of God, the Father. And because he never sinned, he didn't have to die. He was free, free, free. But because God the Father loves us. He sent His Son into the world to die to pay for our sins. So because Jesus loved the Father, He says, because I love the Father, even so I do. I'm doing what I'm doing because I love my Father. And the Father loves us. But we have a problem our sin separates us from him so jesus christ who had no sin did not have to die but because of love he took all the sin of all the world now because our sins were placed upon him the law condemned him now he is under the curse is everyone that hangeth upon a tree he's cursed because he took our sins and now because he took our sins, he has to die. And Jesus Christ died. But he fulfilled the law. He paid for our sins. And he did all of that so that we would be free from the curse of the law and from the curse of our old sinful nature and from the curse of death. And he came back from the dead. And he says, everything I did for you, I took your curse and if you'll accept this payment that I made for you, I'll put this payment to your account and as far as the law is concerned, you died. And the law cannot condemn a dead man. You died because you accepted my death as your payment to fulfill the curse of the law which was the debt of sin that I owed. And because you died... You came back again from the dead in Christ. That's why the Bible talks about you were crucified with Christ. I was crucified with him. I was buried with him. And I rose with him. And ascended with him. Everything he did, he put it to my account as though I did it. And what did I do? Nothing. But I get the credit. He puts what he did to my account. And therefore, I am free from the curse of the law. I am free from my old sinful nature. I don't have to fulfill their desires anymore. And I am free from the penalty of death. You see, my new birth, it's born of God. Now, watch this. This old man over here, he's a wicked man, a sinful man, and he's a condemned man. He's a child of the flesh. The Lord tells us this. We must be born again. And if you're born again, you're born of the Spirit of God. So he said, that which is born of the flesh, flesh. That which is born of the Spirit, spirit. Two different births. So my new birth, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, God says I have become a child of God. You see, when I died on the cross, that was the death of this old man. When I was raised from the dead... I got a new birth, born again, without a sinful nature. And without a sinful nature, it doesn't sin. And if it doesn't sin, it doesn't die. So my new birth will never die. So in Christ, I fulfilled the righteous demands of the law. It can't touch me anymore. Why? Because it can't condemn a dead man. I'm fulfilled. It demanded death and I died. My old sinful nature was buried with my body. It's in my members. I came back from the dead to walk in newness of life. So I don't have, in God's eyes, that old man's dead. He was crucified. And I'm alive in Christ. This new birth cannot sin and cannot die. So I have been made free from the law, free from this body of sin, And death. All because I trusted Christ as my Savior. And the Lord says, now that you've been set free, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't put yourself back in the flesh and live for the flesh. Because the flesh birth that we were born with is still under that old law. Judicially, no. No practically yes and so if I walk in the flesh then I'm still going to be chastened because of my decisions if I walk in the spirit there's no chastening there's no condemnation because you see that's the perfect birth and that's the one that goes to heaven now let me show you this in these verses that I have down through here and you can read some of these a little bit later Today, in majority of churches, you'll hear these phrases mentioned. Now, there's a lot of times people say, well, I I stopped doing all these bad things. And so when you study in the book of Luke, where these two men came into the temple, one of them says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he went away justified. And one man stood there, a Pharisee, and he says, Boy, I'm glad I'm not like him. I mean, I go to church. I pay my tithes. I do all these good things. I am so goody-goody-two-shoes. And I don't do all these bad things. And the Bible says he was not justified. Because, you see, a man cannot save himself, cannot justify himself. When you study and you find out that there is a difference in what Christ taught and what the Pharisees were teaching is a lot of difference because they were teaching that a man had to keep the law. And they prided themselves in all those things that they were doing. But they didn't do everything God says to do because they don't keep it perfectly. You hear the phrase, turn from your sins. And so many people believe that's what the word repent means. So it becomes a, another thing message. And if just trusting Christ as Savior is not enough, then they add on, you got to do this too. So that means that the message of salvation by grace is not really by grace alone. It's plus something. So when you add something to grace, grace is no longer grace. That one work messes up the message of grace. So when you tell a lost man that he has to turn from his sins in order to be saved, that's putting people back under the law. You see, when you talk about the law, the Ten Commandments, the moral law, there were some of them that talks about, you know, the first four about loving God. And the other six about your relationship to man. And that's why he says, what is the first commandment? The greatest commandment of all, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. Have you done that? No, you haven't. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You haven't done that either. So we break the law. And so whenever you take people and you say, you've got to do this, you've got to love the Lord... So they tell them you've got to make Christ the Lord and the master of your life. Submit yourself to the authority of God and promise to serve God. You're placing people under the law. They've got to perform or they can't be saved. And when you tell them to stop being bad, turn from your sins, you see, that's both extremities. Stop being bad. Start being good. Promise to serve God. Do right. Do good. And don't do bad. That is bondage. That is law. And God says, be not entangled again with this yoke of bondage. When I trusted Christ as my Savior in 1960, God gave me as a free gift, everlasting life, free gift. It wasn't contingent upon how I lived. So how I live has nothing to do with getting it or keeping it. It was given to me by grace. I did not deserve it. I was under a curse. I could not save myself and I could not keep from dying. I could not deliver myself. Nor anyone else. And because of what Christ did for me, I now have eternal life. And so I am not going to place myself back under this law. You see, A man in the flesh, he cannot produce a spiritual life. That's why this person, born in the flesh, is under the law. Why should I, who have been set free from the law, place myself back under the law? And this is why in Galatians he says, why don't you have this peace or this joy, this happiness? It's all been taken from you. Look down at the bottom of the page there. To preach that a lost man must turn from sin or make Christ the Lord and master of his life is to annul the sacrifice of Christ. It puts a person back under the law and demands how he must perform. If true, this becomes a life of do's and don'ts. This is a return to bondage. I don't serve the Lord because I have to. I serve the Lord because I want to. And if I don't want to, I still have eternal life and I'm still going to heaven when I die. And I don't have to worry about, well, are there evidences of salvation? I don't have to give any evidence to anybody that I'm saved. I'm saved because of what he did for me because I believe what the scripture says. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Based upon what he says, that's all the evidence I need. God said so. How do I know I'm saved? Because God says I'm saved. He said if I trust him, he gives me eternal life. How do I know I have eternal life? He says if I trust him, I have it. And he says I have it because I trust him, I got it. And I don't determine whether or not I'm really saved, gloriously saved because, well, I'm a preacher. That's how I know I'm really saved. Well, what about all the people that are not preachers? Well, I go to church. I give money. That's the proof that I'm saved. No, it's not. A lost man can go to church, and a lost man can give money, and a lost man can do all these things just like you can. Does that mean he's saved? No. Salvation is the gift of God. Now, notice there in the book of Galatians, and turn to chapter 1. And notice what he says. In verse 6, Paul says, Now, there were people who were trying to put the believers back under the law. He said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, which is the gospel of Christ. You see, the gospel and grace are the same. The gospel is good news. And the good news is that you're saved by grace. And grace means you're not saved by your works. And the test of grace is no works. If there's works added to grace, it's not grace. Now, there is a, a verse in the Bible, and it makes this statement in the book of uh, Romans, chapter 11, and verse 6. A- and if it's by grace, it cannot be by works, otherwise, grace is not grace. But if it be by works, it cannot be by grace, otherwise, work isn't work. And how simple that is? In other words, without my coat, that's grace. With my coat. That's works. And the Bible says if it's by grace. Well then it's not by works. Otherwise grace isn't grace. But if it is by works. It can't be by grace. Otherwise work isn't work. Just simple. It's either one way or the other. You cannot earn your salvation. Earning it means you deserve it. Grace means you don't deserve it. And yet there's people say, well, you've got to deserve it. Don't let people put you back under the law. Don't you trust in your lifestyle as the proof that you're saved or whether or not it proves you're lost. You're saved or lost because you either did or did not accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, we'll talk about serving the Lord at a different time. But if I um, had an invitation to go and see the President of the United States you know Donald Trump? Betty says, Yankee, don't forget to wear your coat. Yes, dear. Now, I'm going to go into the office to see the president. Now, don't get smart with me. But if I was to ask you and you were to be honest and you don't go by what somebody else says and only think for yourself, is my coat, is it on or is it off? Is it on or is it off? Now, be honest in your own mind. How many of you think my coat's on? Let me see in. All right. How many think my coat's off? Oh, they got more. How many are confused? <laughs> we got three times more people confused. And the reason is, it's because I'm mixing law and grace together. And when you mix those together, it confuses people. Well, it's free, but, no, it's free. That's all. And don't butt it around. So when you trust Christ as Savior, you're saved by grace or works. Have you ever heard of a verse that calls, I'm going to need some help in a minute here. I feel like I'm trying to put on a straitjacket. But once you trust Christ as Savior, you have everlasting life. But notice when you add works to the gospel of grace, the only way you can change grace is by adding works to it. You can't change grace no other way. If it's free, it's free. No strings attached. But you ought to do this, and you, yeah, maybe you ought to do a lot of things, and you should do a lot of things, but I don't have to. That's the point. I am free as a child of God. To be an obedient child of God if I want, and to be a disobedient child of God if I want. But I also know that if I'm obedient, God will bless my life and reward me when I get to heaven. I also know that if I'm rebellious to the Lord, I'm still His child. But He'll have to chase it in discipline, maybe even take me home before my time. But I'm still His child. See, a lot of people tell you, no, 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 no. You see, you you don't have this choice. If you're really saved, you're not going to want to go out here and do those bad things. Well, I wouldn't if I wasn't still living in my old sinful body because my sinful nature is still in my body. God never changed that. You see, He didn't change this old man. All He did is give me a new birth. And if I don't walk in the flesh, if I don't, doesn't mean that He don't exist. If I walk in the Spirit doesn't mean this one don't exist or if I walk in the flesh that this one don't exist they both exist I have two births two different natures this one my new birth was born without a sinful nature if you have to be perfect to go to heaven you see how that this is the one that goes to heaven the new birth not the old birth if I went to heaven with my old birth then I would sin in heaven, and so would you. And in heaven, it would be messed up just like it is down here. God says, none of that. Only those who accept Christ as Savior and have this new birth, born of God. All of these people born again from above are made perfect in Christ. You see, what does a perfect person look like? Well, you can't really see my new birth, but it's real. I have a new birth, and so God says in verse seven, which is not another. There's not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. How do you pervert the gospel? Add works to it. So we're not to add works to the gospel of grace, because that annuls what Christ did. Now, look there in the book of Galatians in chapter two and verse twenty-one. Chapter two, verse twenty one. Paul says, this, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If you can get your righteousness by your good works, then why did Christ die? He didn't die just to show you a better way to live. How you can go to heaven? No, without him you don't go to heaven. It has nothing to do with how you live. I'm a sinner." And I ought to go to hell. But he loved me. And he died for me. Now, I'm not going to heaven because I love God. I'm going to heaven because God loves me. After I trust Christ as my Savior, and I may study the Bible and a verse here and a verse there, and I may occasionally go to church. And little by little, I learn some things, and I find out, you know, he really did love me. And I begin to fall in love with the Lord, grow in love for the Lord. Then it can change my whole life. You see, when he makes the statement in the book of Romans in chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice. This is to those who already are saved. So you see, if I had to do that before I was saved, why is he telling me to do that after I'm saved? I'd have had to already do it. But after you're saved, does God want me to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable servant? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's after you're saved. You don't make Christ the Lord and the master of your life in order to be saved. That would make salvation by your words. Because if you don't perform, you don't get it. You don't tell a lost man you gotta turn from your sins to be saved because then you have to tell him, okay, which sins? How many of them? For how long? And then you gotta perform before God will save you? Or does He save you based upon the promise that you made? And if you don't keep your promise, He's gonna take it away from you. That's law. That's you saving you. That's not being saved by grace. I have eternal life, and I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did on the cross for me. And that's, that's the difference. Now, I want you to notice what he says here in Galatians in chapter 2 and verse 19. This is one of the verses that's on your papers. But in verse 19 he says, For I through the law am dead to the law, because the law condemns. And Christ was condemned in my place. And I died in Christ. Now the law cannot touch me. I'm dead to the law. The law can never condemn me again. See, look up here. This new birth over here shall not come into condemnation. Never can be condemned. There's no condemnation to those that are had this new birth. This new birth can't sin. It doesn't sin. It's perfect. Whenever I sin, it was this old man. That's why I always say, he made me do it. I didn't want to do it, but he made me do it. And God said, I'm going to whip the tar out of you because you let him make you do it. And so, can a Christian still sin? As long as you have this old physical body, you have an old sinful nature. And that's why I've told kids, especially the teenagers, <laughs> when you got up this morning and you looked in the mirror and you were ugly, and you trusted Christ as your Savior, go back and look in that mirror. You're still ugly. <laughs> and the reason, because, see, he never changed your body. You didn't look different. Oh, I'm 10 years younger by trusting the Lord. No, it didn't work that way. He didn't change his whole body. That's why he says, in Christ, this is a new creature, new creation. This and over here. He says, you once was a, was a child of the devil going to hell. Now you're a child of God going to heaven. And there's the difference. And so, look there in verse 10 of chapter 3. In verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the Lord. In other words, trying to earn salvation by your good life, trying to turn from all of your sins and trying to make Christ the Lord and the master of your life. If you want to try to go down that trail, look what he says. You're under the blessing or a curse? You're under a curse. Why? For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You have to fulfill everything in order to save yourself by turning from your sins. How many sins would you have to turn from? Every sin. From now on. And you can't mess up. And you have to make Christ the Lord and master of your life in every area and obey perfectly. Not close. Perfectly. So you've got to be perfect in both areas. How you doing? Would you want to try to earn your way to heaven? Not this boy. When I heard it was free, man, I nailed that. No strings attached, I'll take it any day. I would be a fool to turn down a free gift. So that day when I heard the gospel, I was 18 years old. And I trusted Christ as my Savior smartest decision ever made in my life and God promised that he would give me eternal life and I'd get to go to heaven whenever I die and for the rest of my life (laughs) whatever I got left I decided I want to serve the Lord but I don't serve the Lord to get to heaven I love the Lord because of what he's done for me and my motive for wanting to serve the Lord is very simple it's not because of what I can get from God from here on out. But I serve the Lord because I love Him because of what He's already done. You see, He died and paid for my sins. He delivered me from the curse of the law. And I know I won't have this old body very long. I'm running out of time. And I don't have to fear death. Because, see, my birth can't die. Oh, I'll leave this old world and this old body. But death here is just... Uh, and escape from this world. It's just the doorway into heaven. You know, the best thing that can happen to me is to drop dead. Don't, don't, don't vote on this. It's, <laughs> this was, is this was not for you to vote on. I wound up in the hospital a couple of weeks ago, and I got a, a get well card from the deacon board. Five, for, and three against. <laughs> I'm so thankful that I know I have eternal life. Because I know where I'm going when I die. But the only reason I can know that I'm going to heaven is it doesn't depend on me. If it depends on the Lord, it's a sure thing. Because I can trust God because he can't lie. And you know what? He says it's free. Now, if I offered you my, my Bible and you accept it, you'd have a Bible. When? When you accept it. If I offered you this microphone and you accept it, you'd have a microphone. When? But When you accept it. If I offered you my wallet and you accept it, what would you have? An empty wallet. wallet. When would you have this empty wallet? You'd have all my sins. You'd have all my sins. Well, if Christ walked in here right now and offered you eternal life and you accept it, what would you have? Eternal life. So can you know you have eternal life? Can you know you're going to heaven when you die? Yeah. Why? It's free. All you got to do is believe it. Believe what God said that it is true. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. Why not right now in the quietness of this moment, just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I cannot save myself. But I believe Jesus Christ went to the cross that he died and paid for my sins. And right now, the best I know how, I will accept Him as my Savior. I'm going to trust Him to take me to heaven when I die. And friend, God said if you'd trust Him, He would save you, give you eternal life, and you can know that you're going to heaven. I'm not going to have you forward, not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sitting, I'm going to ask for a raise of your hand. Raising your hand does not save you. It's just like if I was to ask you, would you trust Christ as Savior? You say, yes. Well, I can't talk to you individually like that right now, so I have to do it as a group. So I'm going to ask you, will you right now accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? You could all holler out, but you could just let me know by slipping your hand up. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And you say, Preacher, I trusted Christ as my Savior this morning. And I just want you to know, and I'd like to have prayer for you. I really would. Yes, God bless you back there in the back. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up very quickly. So that made sense to me, and I'll trust Christ right now as my Savior. And I'd like you to pray for me. If you've never done so, would you do it right now? Just slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down. Are there others? Our Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us, for giving us the free gift of everlasting life. And the Father, according to your word, you said, do not become entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Thank you that now that I'm saved, i got to stay saved by how I live. No, we stay saved because of the power of God, not because of our power. And bless the one that indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust you as Savior. We ask your blessings upon the service in Christ's name. Amen. We are got, we're not through. I got something I want to show you because we should be so thankful that we live in America. And I want to show you this. It's about five minutes long. I think that you will enjoy it. I want the Lord to bless America because of the believers in America, not because of the wicked that are doing what they're doing. I don't want that to be blessed. But I do want God to bless us because of there's a good number of righteous people in this country that appreciate our country. And also there's people today that says you shouldn't pledge allegiance to the flag. To me, the flag represents our freedoms that we have. And I'm for one person, one preacher that loves our country, I love our military, I love the freedom that they have gotten for us and what they've done to keep us safe. You ready?
1: He was getting old and paunchy, and his hair was falling fast. And he sat around the Legion telling them stories of the past, of a war that he had fought in, and the deeds that he had done, In his exploits with his buddies. They were heroes, every one. And though sometimes to his uh, neighbors his tales became a joke, all his legion buddies listened, for they knew whereof he spoke. But we'll hear his tales no longer. For old Bill has passed away. The world's a little poorer, for a soldier died today. He will not be mourned by many, just his children and his wife. For he lived an ordinary and quite uneventful life. And held a job and raised a family, quietly going his own way. And the world won't note his passing. Or oh, a soldier died today. When politicians leave this earth, their bodies lie in state while thousands note their passing and proclaim that they were great. Papers tell their whole life stories from the time that they were young. But the passing of a soldier goes unnoticed and unsung. Is the greatest contribution to the welfare of our land a guy who breaks his promise and cons his fellow man? or the ordinary fellow, who in times of war and strife goes off to serve his country and offers up his life. A politician's stipend and the style in which he lives are sometimes disproportionate to the service that he gives, while the ordinary soldier who has offered up his all is paid off with a medal perhaps a pension, small. It's so easy to forget them, for it was so long ago that the old bills of our country went to battle. But we know it was not the politicians with their compromises and ploys who won for us the freedom that our country now enjoys. Should you find yourself in danger with your enemies at hand? Would you want a politician with his ever-shifting stand? Or would you prefer a soldier who has sworn to defend his home, his kin, and country and would fight until the end? He was just a common soldier and his ranks are growing thin. But his presence should remind us, we may need his life again. For when countries are in conflict, then we find the soldier's part is to clean up all the troubles that the politicians start. If we cannot do him honor while he's here to hear the praise, then at least let's give him homage at the ending of these days. Perhaps just a simple headline in a paper that would say our country is in mourning for a soldier died.